Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Yes, yes. Well, good morning, Candeo family. I say this every time, but I mean it every time. It's an absolute joy to be with you this morning. If you've got a Bible, I would love for you to open it up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today. And uh, I know there's a lot of family in town, likely a lot of guests. Uh, This is kind of a one-off thing for you. Uh, You're jumping into a Family Matters series that we're into. And this is not the normal thing that we do. Typically, uh, we kind of work through a a book of the Bible, a chapter at a time, and and kind of expositionally teach through that. Uh, What we're doing here is a little bit different. We decided for just a span of a few weeks to do something that, you know, we grabbed the Family Matters show from like the 90s, right? We grabbed their furniture, brought it up here and said, let's do something different where for a few weeks, let's have some family meetings, kind of circle everybody up. Just like if if you're a mom or a dad, maybe you've done this with your kids, like you kind of circle everybody up. And it doesn't always mean that you're mad about something or that there's like a problem, Uh, but you circle everybody up and be like, hey, like let's let's have a a conversation here that really matters. And what we're we're talking about here is, is like values that we have as a church that we really want to cement into like the core of who we are. And today, a value that we have as a church is that we would be a faithful people with a faithful presence. I'm gonna unpack a bit what that looks like. And we're gonna do this a little bit differently today. You've seen this before. Like I'm gonna teach for about 15 minutes, kind of set up this, this topic, like kind of set the hook a bit to get you interested, hopefully interested. And then uh, I'm gonna pull up a couple, couple other pastors and we're gonna unpack like how to practically apply this into our lives. Uh, and we're gonna start with uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, but uh, I, I wanna set it up this way, right? Because I do believe that what we believe about the future changes the way that we live today. Uh, for example, uh, my kids right now are in the middle of a baseball season where we're like traveling on a lot of weekends. So my wife's not here this morning, she's watching a baseball game in Iowa City. Uh, I will join them later today. But today, because they're playing in Iowa City, Marion area, like anytime that happens, it's a Zoe's weekend. Now, this is one of those things like if you know, you know. But if you've been to Marion, they have this like small pizza joint, not huge, called Zoe's. Anybody ever heard of it? It's, I'm getting claps already. It, it is incredible. It is incredible, is it not? And And... So we're, we're, uh, we got that recommendation from the Marchesanis. I mean, you got a strong Italian name like that, and you tell me that there's good pizza someplace. I'm like, all right, I'm, I believe you. We've gone, and our family is hooked. Trevor said this morning in the car, he said, Dad, the only problem with Zoe's is that I typically eat too much pizza. I don't have enough room left over for the zookie at the end. Because we do one of those like cast iron like chocolate chip cookies with the ice cream on top. Like, again, if you know, you know. It'll change your life. But uh, something like that, when all of a sudden it's like it's a Zoe's day, you wake up with a little bit of like an extra spring in your step. Like regardless of what happens today, win, lose, or whatever in the baseball games, like it's gonna be a good day because it's a Zoe's day, right? It's, it's universally true that what we believe about the future changes the way that we live today. My brothers and sisters, we just sang about it and declared it. Can, can, we, can we just remind each other of the future hope, the certain reality that Jesus has purchased for us. Look at verse 13. I'm going to read verse 13 through 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep. That's how often the Bible refers to it, like when Christians die. They didn't die, they, they fell asleep. Because we know it's momentary, right? Concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring up with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by word of the Lord, that we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air and underline this, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, brothers and sisters, this is the concrete on which we stand this morning. That if you have faith, put your faith in Christ and have received him as Lord and Savior, whether you are alive in Christ or you die in Christ, he is coming back. And when he comes back, he will take you to be with him forever in a place of unmatched glory where there is no more sin, no more sickness, no more pain. That is the hope that we have. And James 4.14 tells us this, that this life that we live, it's just a vapor. It's just a mist. It's gone in a moment, right? And this is all we ever think about. It's just the life that we're in, but, but it, is, it is passing. It's fleeting. It's going to be over so quick, especially in comparison to eternity. It's like, it's like a mist. And so when you hold James 4 and this passage side by side, it, it begs the question, does it not? Like, how then should we live? If this is the hope that we have, this is the, the future that we're looking forward to. This is meant to put a spring in our step. Then, then, then what should we do with our lives? How should we live our lives? Now take your eyes from the passage we just read and go just a few verses in front of it to verse 9. This is what is said just right before that passage. It says, about brotherly love, you do not need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more, to seek. Some translations will have the word ambition, to, to, to make it your ambition, to aspire. This is what you should seek or make your ambition or you should aspire. To lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. Was that a little surprising to anybody there? Like on the doorsteps of eternity, like knowing that Jesus could come back any second, I mean, at any moment, we could be sitting here and Jesus comes back. At any moment, Jesus could be coming. Every second that passes, he gets closer and closer. On the doorsteps of eternity, this is what Paul says. Lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands. Because here's what I want to do today. I want to redeem the mundane, right? I want to redeem the mundane, and here's what I mean. I'm not talking about, when I talk about redeeming the mundane, I'm not talking about life's glamorous moments, 
like those mountaintop supernatural spiritual moments that you have or that time where you're speaking Jesus to somebody and watch them come to know Christ. Like I'm not talking about those moments. I'm talking about the millions of other moments that happen in between those mountaintop moments, like the small stuff. When I talk about redeeming the mundane, I'm talking to the guy in the room that for a living, your job, your nine to five grind, or maybe it's other hours outside of that, you work for John Deere and you're putting tires on tractors in the assembly line. I'm talking to the plumber in the room that your job is to fix water heaters and toilets and make sure people's houses don't flood. I'm talking to the person in the room that you are an architect and you design houses for a living. I'm talking to the person in the room that's a homeowner that's gonna be mowing their lawn later today. I'm talking to the mom or the dad that's got like endless piles of laundry in front of him going like, when am I gonna get all of this done? I'm talking to the retiree that's gonna grab coffee sometime this afternoon and have a two minute wait in the line. I'm talking to the student that's gonna be sitting in math class tomorrow. I'm talking to the mom or dad that like your life is just this never ending shuttle service from one practice to recital to whatever and you're just trying to keep the family organized. Like I'm, I'm talking about all of those things and going how do we redeem that? How do we do that? in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. How do we do all of that? Now, obviously, there's a danger here. I'm going to borrow a line from an elder that'll actually be on the stage here for, in just a bit, and I'm sure he stole it from somebody else. But <laughs> there's a danger here, and I always want to be mindful of ditches, because when I start talking about, like, all of this little stuff matters, it's, it's, it's also reality that for many of us, that's all we ever think about. Like for most of us, the biggest problem we actually have is that we don't live life in light of eternity. As Bryant would say, uh, we're so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly good. And so I wanna give just like a warning there, like I'm not trying to like affirm this, that like if you are preoccupied with only the things of this world, that, 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 that that's a good thing. No, 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 like, we need to figure out how to do all of life, even the mundane things in light of eternity. Because it's interesting here that in light of eternity, the value that Paul places on the mundane things doesn't decrease, it actually increases. When he talks about lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands. Here's a little context. The Thessalonians had a lot of good things going for them. They were a young church, had a lot of energy and zeal. We're getting a lot of things right. For some reason, though, they were also known as a very lazy church. I'm not sure exactly what was going on behind the scenes, but three times over the course of Paul's letters to them, which if you look at them, they're not long letters. He rebukes them for being busybodies, for being gossipers, and for being lazy. And specifically, what he's getting into here, he's addressing the fact that they are a restless people. That's why he says, lead a quiet life. That word quiet is like in reference to like lead a peaceful life. They were a people full of anxiety, a restlessness. Sound familiar? They were a nosy people. They were always up in other people's business, you know, like that, that was like their thing. You know, they were just preoccupied with it. So they were restless, they were nosy, and these things filled up their schedules. They were captivated by these things. They were captivated by the Thessalonian version of like 
CNN or Fox News news cycles. Like they were, they were preoccupied by like the Thessalonian version of like social media and like endless scrolling. They were always preoccupied with these things. That's what filled up their schedule and what got neglected was anything that would be of any benefit to the society around them. They didn't do anything, it seemed like, that would contribute to the good of the city of Thessalonica. In fact, there was many people in the church that had become just freeloaders, living off the generosity of other people. And Paul's like, that's not what Christians do. No. So he corrects them. If you want to read the other examples, you can go to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. You can look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I mean, nearly word for word in 2 Thessalonians 3, he gives this same command to them. Same command. Always, though, against the backdrop of eternity that Jesus is coming back, lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your hands. So yes, we need to be active in speaking Jesus to people. Yes, we need to be active in contributing to the needs of our church family, right? Building one another up, gathering together in fellowship to encourage one another. Yes, we need to continue to be faithful in all things. Um, And many of them were getting that wrong. And I want to learn how to get it right. So this is when I want to transition into having Josh and Bryant join me on the stage. And we're going to talk a bit about how to redeem the mundane. So Josh, Bryant, you guys can head up here. We'll uh, move the couches to the lower level. How we doing? Welcome, welcome. Perfect. All right, so we'll take a moment. I would love for you guys to introduce yourselves real quick. Start with you on the end. Yeah, I'm Josh Allen. Uh, been a Candeo elder for uh, th- about three years now. I think it's been almost right at three years. Uh, live in Traer, Iowa, so a little bit south of here. And I work here in Cedar Falls as a property management leader for Target Corporation. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. How long have you been at Target now? Been at Target for 14 years. Crazy. Yeah. My wife uh, is here. Been married to my wife for 18 years, three girls. And yeah, we love this area. Yeah. Love having you on the team, Josh. And I'm I'm Brian Hayes. Um, My wife, Jen, and I have four kids. We've been here uh, for about nine, 10 years, going on 10 years, right? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Jen's here on staff. We, uh, we've lived in the Cedar Valley most of our life. Uh, I work at a company called Gordon Flesh Company. Some of you may know it as Advanced Systems, which is what it was prior to a recent acquisition or a merger. Um, and I kind of run the, the Iowa branch for Gordon Flesh. So I, I manage the whole state. So. And... Just to put you on the spot, how many years have you been married? 27. Oh, Brian. 26. 26. 26 lovely years, Jen. Nailed it. Nailed it. Lovely years. <laughs> thinks about it every day. So. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny you say that because I, I have been thinking, I'm like, was it 1996 or 1990? Yeah. Oh, when Josh said how many years him and Yadi have been married, I'm like, I'm putting Brian on the spot and see if he can pass You're the really test. mean. So, yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> 
get used to it, because this, this conversation, I'm going to keep putting you guys on the spot and, and drawing you out a bit. So, so today, though, we're talking about being a faithful people with a faithful presence. And I, I think if there was a goal for us here, it's, it's to, to recognize that all of life is worship and how to turn every aspect of our lives to worship. And so I've got three questions that I want to throw your way. Uh, the first one is actually just kind of looking back at the text that we've just been reflecting on there and the issues there in Thessalonica and Paul's encouragements to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. I'm curious, as you look, maybe not so just specifically at our church, but just at our culture, what are ways in which you see the Thessalonian problems alive and well in our culture? And what are things that you feel like uh, we could do better, or maybe examples you've seen of people that have, have done well in applying some of this stuff from First Thessalonians to life. So, I can start. Yeah, Josh. Uh, I mean, I look at our culture and, and I see impatience everywhere, mm-hmm. just uh, ubiquitous impatience. And I think you set it up well with people don't, uh, I don't think people have an eternal orientation a lot of times. It, we're, our, we're not being driven by eternity. We're not looking at the horizons. It was like driving in this morning in that fog, but you couldn't see 200 feet in front of you. And I think uh, what it causes is it causes us to look right, right here, and it causes us to become lazy and restless and get focused on what's going on right here. Because I really believe what, what you, how you set it up, but what you believe really drives the way you live. Mm. For instance, if I, if I said that, and I don't know this, but if, if in 36 hours you knew that Jesus was coming back, mm. how would that change the way that you live? How would it change the way that I live? I, I, there would be things in our lives that we would do much differently really quick. And I uh, was actually reading a, a Pew Research poll to this point of measuring People's, uh, people's awareness of Jesus coming back. And specifically, I thought this was interesting, evangelical Christians, 71% of evangelical Christians in, in America, this was just in December of 2022, don't believe, they don't really believe that Jesus is coming back in their lifetime. They might believe that he's coming back, but not believe that he's coming back in their lifetime, which if they don't believe that he's coming back in their lifetime, it, they're gonna live a certain way, likely. So I've, I see impatience and, and in the culture, like we're taught to wait for Jesus. We're taught to be patient. And I see a culture of much impatience, of clicking it and wanting it now, instant gratification, when I, when I want it, how I want it, where I want it. Yeah, yeah. Brad, what would you add to that? Well, I thought about um, when you were going through the various kinds of people, you know, people in different stages of life and stuff like that. And Glenn was actually sharing with me earlier, and it was kind of a, an interesting uh, comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be retired, and you can play golf, and you can travel for leisure, and, and just kind of while away the hours, you know. And he was telling me about a 73-year-old woman who she's now going on her 62nd mission trip, and she's <laughs> redeeming her time while as long as she has breath, that's what she's going to do. Um, I, I think of, you know, high school and college students who are using Snap or Chat GP to, to, this is how we're getting it wrong. You know, we're, we're cheating on tests. We're doing different things like that. We're just one thing to another, to another, to another. There's no balance. There's no, um, there's not really any patience. Mm. 
and and people are not generally present in what they're they're snapping, they're TikToking, and everything else versus being present in those classes and and doing the very best that you can. And I you know you see oftentimes Christians are the ones who are doing that, and and I think it reflects very well on our Savior. I just think of like you know even like a stay-at-home mom, you know, like who. You know, you, some, some people get this image, and it's, it's not grounded in falsehood yeah. of sitting around watching, back in my day, soap operas, but going through Facebook and just, just doing that, whiling away the hours. Meanwhile, the house is not managed. But the opposite of that, and you see that so often in, in a Christian household, is where the house is well managed, the kids are, are put together different things like that. Like what we do in just the day-to-day, you know, chasing Cheerios and picking stuff up and, and just, just making the world a better place, it matters. It's not what, it shouldn't be like our primary motivation to, quote, make the world a better place. Our primary motivation should be to glorify God. Yeah. And we can glorify God in those mundane things. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, Again, the 62 mission trips and stuff like that, like those are those big glamorous moments, but it's those times in between and trying to redeem some of that. Recognizing, I mean, as we talked about Colossians 3 the other day. Colossians 3.17, 3.23 says almost the same thing. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of Christ, which reminds you that whatever is a broad word, and two, that God cares about the whatever we do. And so as you're going through life, you know, as whether it's your job or, you know, whether you're, you're moving from one thing to the next, like try to figure out how to do that to the glory of Christ. And I do think probably one of the great weaknesses of my own life is generally just being present in that moment. I'm always on my phone or flipping through something or thinking about the next thing. Even when I'm standing in line at a coffee shop, I'm rarely gauge, engaging the people around me in conversation because I'm trying to send off a quick email or something like that. I'm always someplace else rather than just in the moment. So to, to quote the great theologian Nick Saban, <clears throat> Alabama football coach, uh, one of the things he tells his players all the time is like, just be where your feet are. And I think that that's like a good starting point for many of us is just to be present in the moment, to be still and behold him. Like Dalton, that was a great song just to sit like, and, and to put ourselves like, stillness before the Lord to reflect on who he is and his grandeur, his majesty, and to let that shape the way that we live. Yeah. And to recognize that, yeah, you can still be chasing Cheerios and do that for the glory of Christ. You can still be shopping for shoes and do that for the glory of Christ. And in everything we do, we're, yeah. we're spreading the aroma of Christ in all that we do. So I'm, I'm curious here, and this is probably the question I'm most eager to, to put you guys on the spot before. Um, because for anybody in the room that is a working professional, <clears throat> almost half of their waking hours will be spent working a job, secular job would be the title we would give to it or others could give to it. I've not worked outside of the church world for 17 years. My last job was as an agronomist at the Northeast Iowa Cooperative. Like that's a long time ago. You guys work non-church jobs. How do you take something like that Gordon Flesh or Target, how do you take them like that and redeem that for the glory of Christ? Well, I'm a, I'm a maintenance technician, so the things that I work on are heating, cooling, electrical, it's stuff. I fix things that break, flooring, drywall, you name it, whatever it is, toilets and generators. 
And so a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis, it seems mundane. It seems like, why does this matter? How, how could this possibly have any t- eternal value? In fact, over 14 years, I've done that quite a few times. I've fixed a lot of broken toilets. And asked the Lord, God, I don't, what am I doing? Why, how does this have any value at all? And so one of the things that, that's brought this into focus for me a little bit is, and I'd like to read this, is Jesus' words in Matthew. This is Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28. And Jesus said, uh, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when I, it, when I think of my job and all those little things, the, the broken toilets and the water temperature being the right temperature, as a service to others and as loving others and as an act of worship unto God, it completely changes the way that I go about my job, the way that I go about my work because I'm, I'm fulfilling a, a command of God to serve you hmm. and whoever, whoever might come into contact with the things that I work on. Hmm. How does that motivate you, even if you know that that person may never give their life to Christ because of your work, right? Often we view it as like, well, it's redeemed because it's evangelistic, but what if like you knew that person wasn't gonna give their life to Christ, then what would make it valuable to you? Hmm. Listen, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And when he said that, it implies that there's great darkness in the face of, of my witness. And so even though they might be living for the world, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still the light of the world. I'm, I'm, I'm called to shine that light. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I look at it like that. Yeah. Because I was, we were talking about this a little bit the other day over coffee. Like, I think, Josh, when you even talked about like the, the mundane realities of your work, I couldn't help but think about just creation itself, right? God himself makes order out of chaos. That's what we see in the opening pages of Genesis. And we being image bearers, when he gives Adam and Eve work to tend the garden, to care for it, make order out of chaos, work that was all there prior to the fall. So work's not a result of of sin in the world or brokenness in the world. We were created by God to work and to bear his image in our work. And so there's an aspect, even regardless of whether that person comes to know Christ, you are displaying the image bearer reality and bringing glory to God yeah. by fulfilling imaging. a, a yeah. creation mandate. Like yeah. You've been created to work. God made us to work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How do you redeem the workplace? Well, at the top of my planner is Colossians 3.23, which says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. And you do see you know, just a general, like, I, as a, as a manager, um, particularly on the sales side, you, you see a lot with motivations, what motivates people. And so I get, I give a lot of thought to, well, what motivates me, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why that's at the top of my planner. So every day when I'm looking at my planner, that's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. But I, I've made it a point to try to make everybody know who's in my midst that like where what's really important to me is is Christ that I wake up every morning thinking about him that 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 the way that I act the way that I interact with people 
has a lot to do, well, has everything to do with my relationship with the Lord. And I do that in subtle ways, you know, like things in my office are that way. I make comments about, you know, sometimes we, I, I say, I'm going to put my pastor hat on now. You know, I, I get to say that now. So um, uh, I, I've said that to some people in the past, but um, I just get to glorify Jesus in the work I do and the way I act among my coworkers. And it's interesting, we were talking about this, and it, I'm not saying you gotta be perfect, because we're, none of us are. Um, and it's interesting to me, I've had a couple of opportunities early on when I first became a, a Christian. Sometimes when you're a salesperson, you've kind of bend the truth a little bit, and I got kind of busted no, doing that. Yes, people. yes, yes. I don't want to just use car salesmen, but that's it, it true is not of, uh, generally copier salespeople, copy but you know. Paper, yeah. um, <laughs> but it was interesting. I was trying to get something so that I could get a deal, and I was I was kind of trying to hoodwink my boss a little bit, and he and and I, I just got convicted. I don't remember if I read something in scripture or if just the Holy Spirit pricked my conscience, but conscience. But basically, I'm like, yeah, I'm lying. So I went to my boss and I said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I, I, that thing that I said I did, I didn't do it. I, I lied to you. He's like, do you think I didn't know? I'm like, ah, man, I'm, not only am, shouldn't I lie, but I'm not very good at it either. But, <laughs> so, um, but I think, and all that to do is just to illustrate like, guys, we're gonna be in the, in the workplace and we're gonna to try to do everything we can to glorify God in, in the way that we work and the way that we uh, redeem the time and, and just, just what we do in the workplace. But there's gonna be times where you've gotta, you gotta ask for forgiveness. Hmm. And I think that there's more value in that and being real and being uh, that transparent and, and I, I've even had a time where I've had to apologize and the person was so, they could not understand. And it wasn't necessarily I was wrong about what I did, but it was the way that I presented it. And I, I just told her, I said, you know, Jesus is my Lord. And he, he doesn't, I, I, I'm being perfected, but I'm not there yet, you know? So that's why I'm asking you for your forgiveness. I didn't treat you well in this. I just get, you know, Ultimately, I lead the whole branch, um, but I get to do it as a servant leader, and I try to reflect Jesus in the way that I do that. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing is just every minute that I work, I think that oftentimes we look at, at work as like, uh, you know, it's almost like a curse, and you're just there to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And I look at it very differently as just an opportunity to live generously. I can't live generously if I don't make money. Mm. I mean, I, I, in the way that I want to be. I can't support missionaries. I can't support different things that, that God is calling me to support. And so every minute I'm at work and every minute that I work hard, it's, it's redeeming it to the Lord yeah. uh, because it, it allows me to do that. Um, and I just, like, every now and then an opportunity arises. I. I can't because I'm in management necessarily, you know, just walk around sharing Jesus. And, and frankly, that's not necessarily 
I, I, not always right in every yeah. every circumstance. It wouldn't be right for me to just, that's what I do while I'm at work. Yeah. But every now and then people come to me with problems. I have a marriage problem. I have, and that's kind of where I put the pastor hat on and, and I'll say it. I'm like, do you mind if we kind of step away from work for a second here and let's talk mm. life, yeah. you know? And I get to do that. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Well, I think that the beauty of what we're reflecting here um, is that work, I mean, it's got multiple layers to it of, of just beauty, but one aspect is, is when we work hard, it, it displays that image bearer reality, right? We reflect God and bring an order from chaos. Uh, you talk here though, like it's also a way that we fulfill the great commandment, right? Love God, love people. And so even if that person doesn't give their life to Christ, like the way that you're serving, you're loving them, like it, it fulfills that as, as well. And that's what uh, Jake shared an article with me this week, and I passed it along to you guys. But it was interesting, uh, one of the lines in there, written by Dorothy Sayers on Why Work a number of years ago, uh, the line was simply, the first thing that, like, and it's referring to a carpenter that had come to know Christ, like the first thing that the gospel should do in that carpenter that just gave them their life to Christ is that they should make excellent chairs, Right? Like that's the first thing that should happen in that person's life, that they should make excellent chairs. And it was a, maybe a, an overly strong statement, but it speaks to just the quality of work, to working hard with your hands. Or as Titus 2 said, and we just covered this a, a month ago, slaves are to submit to their masters and everything and be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Yeah. And so that quality of work matters, and we should represent that well. So we talk about redeeming the mundane, like all things outside of work, within work. I'll come back to the most important question now of all. I think why is always the most important question. Like, so why? Why, why does this matter? You got any more thoughts on? I mean, I think it's the so that's, right? It's those so that verses, the, the Titus 2, that so that you might adorn the gospel of right. Jesus Christ, so that you might behave properly towards outsiders in, in this verse 12. You might be the only Bible that anybody ever reads. Hmm. Might say it like that. You might be the only what, Bible that somebody ever that? reads. That, you might be the only Bible that somebody reads. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's, if I think about like a faithful president, this, this may be a stretch, but go with me. I think of Psalm 19. So think of the, the sun rising every morning, the moon at night, the stars placed in the sky. They're, they're declaring the glory of God without saying anything but they faithfully do their job every single day. They're, you're, you're reading them without them saying anything. And our lives are a lot like that. We are reflecting the glory of God to a world around us without saying anything a lot of times. Mm. Yeah, because non-Christians aren't gonna read their Bibles, but they are going to read our lives, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. What else would you add, Brent? Well, I'm kind of going off script a little bit, but I mean, ultimately, I think that we have an opportunity now more than ever because the world is is way off the rails in so many different ways and it's very easy for us to partake in that you know to to not have a life balance to not be present in the places that we are but just being faithful in your workplace in whatever you're doing um be there you know and what i mean by that is is so much of the world is so absorbed in so many different things and it's always like squirrel. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's always something that, that's catching everybody's eye. 
But we have an opportunity in the workplace, I think, to, to shine the light of Jesus into that workplace, not necessarily by our words, but by our actions, by, by being, it's easy to be different. Mm -hmm. and, and when we do everything to God's glory, it, it's, it's a witness. You should use words too, but ultimately, like, people are watching us. They're reading us. They're reading the things that we do, the things that we say, and how we interact with other people. And we have such an opportunity to set ourselves apart from the rest of the world by the way that we interact and work in, the, in our workplaces. Mm -hmm. And people notice. I know I do. Like, wow. when I have employees who are redeeming the time, they are present, they're doing, they're doing their job, they're working hard, um, and just quietly doing it. They don't need everybody to see it. Those are my favorite employees, you know? Um, and I think that's true of all of us. Right. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on stage today, speaking into this. I, I wanna end just by a, a parable that I kind of stumbled across this past week. Um, but it was reflecting on the, the Lord's coming. Jesus is speaking these words that he's gonna come back. And like the key word in all of it is alert that you'd be alert, ready at any moment for Jesus to come back. You don't know what the hour is. And, and then these words are put there. Um, who then is the faithful and sensible manager that his master will put in charge of the household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. And hopefully today what we did is broadened the word a little bit of job. Maybe when Jesus comes, he's gonna come back on a Sunday morning and our hands are gonna be up in worship and he's gonna come at that moment and take us to be with him. Maybe that's what he'll find us doing in that moment. Or faithfully find us doing a million other things that we can do to the glory of Christ. Burping babies, changing diapers, mowing lawns, standing in line at coffee shops, interacting with those around us, being faithfully present in those moments, because God wants to redeem all of those things, and we can do all of those things to the glory of Christ. And if we want to be a sent people, we can't pick and choose the times that we're gonna be a sent person. We live sent all the time. Does that make sense? Perfect. All right, Josh, would you pray for us as we yeah, close out our to. time? God, we uh, come before you today just humbly asking you to help us to be that faithful presence in our workplace, in our homes. God, wherever you take us in life, that we would be that constant. God, we desire to reflect what Jesus has done for us in every aspect of our lives. God, so that uh, people would see our good works and that they would glorify our Father in heaven. Would you help us to redeem all those seemingly, uh, what we would might call unimportant things and see them as having immense eternal value? Because the reality is today is eternity. <laughs> eternity isn't put on pause because we're in this this time-space continuum right now. Eternity, by definition, has no beginning, no end. And so the things that we do today are eternal choices. They're eternal. They have eternal value. And they matter. 
So God, would you remind us this week as we go out that our work is so important to you. God, that you care about all the things and all the ways that we reflect your glory. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.